Coming up on Tech Thing, how to pick a smart hub to control your home, the fastest way to clean and install Windows 10, three tools every geek should own, millions lost to Fallout 4, Comcast new data cap for unlimited data option, and quite a bit more, all coming up on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. We're brought to you by viewers just like you. Thank you so much. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. When we're not all playing video games. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't want to get into it. I spent two and a half hours fixing somebody's Roku box the other night because it locked, oh. because the router kicked it out, because it turns out there's a guest mode on their router. It's a, it's a Linksys, a Cisco E1000, oh. where you can't actually, couldn't actually administer it from the router itself, but you would have to download an application that he couldn't log into because there was a special password that we can no longer get. So, so basically not fun. All I'm saying is router updates are critical. Yes. And if your router isn't being updated, Get an open source operating system, like boot, just something that's being maintained for your router. More on that later. I also wanted to mention thank you to our veterans. Because yeah. today's Veterans Day, so we appreciate you. If you guys have ever run into veterans, if you're like going out to a restaurant or something, just you know, shake their hand. We appreciate your service, so thank you to all of you guys out there. Or if they're on a date, leave them alone. <laughs> Funniest thing I've ever seen in my life on the short list involves somebody interrupting somebody in uniform at a date. <laughs> it was pretty epic. If you're wondering where your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, children, or co-workers have been for the last few days, please don't panic. Yeah, they're playing Fallout 4. Or they're waiting for over 26 gigabytes on an install on their PS4 or Xbox One so that it's they like, can actually play Fallout 4. It's like 29 gigabytes on the Xbox One. So bad. So chances are they will continue probably playing Fallout 4 every single freaking day of every single freaking hour for like a week. One of our associates is in the other room right now on holiday crafting inside of Fallout 4. Yeah, we won't say who. Apparently they haven't killed anyone in Fallout 4 yet. They're crafting inside of Fallout 4, <laughs> which just makes me so happy. <laughs> I want to go home and play, but I guess we should do the show first. Yes, yes, we should. <laughs> so would, what are you doing? Okay, so um, laptop, it's, okay, I didn't want to get into the, laptop upgrades are pretty much down to memory and hard drive yeah and yeah. mostly hard drive for most laptops so uh, be really careful choosing a laptop we have a new laptop next week that's super upgrade friendly <laughs> but so many laptops are basically everything soldered to the motherboard yeah um, but I got into I basically was installing a larger hard drive in my laptop which has me thinking about it yes you guessed it doing a clean install of Windows 10 <gasps> yay yay because I've been running Windows 10 insider preview for a very long time yes, and I've been have. doing a lot of software <laughs> testing and it would be nice to wipe and start new. Yeah, and we've mentioned on the show before, it's really important to do a clean install of Windows yes. 10. That said, I'm gonna image the current drive to the new drive and keep using my fully functioning production laptop with all of its weird little settings. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really interesting. There are a lot of reasons to do a clean boot, and I will oh, yeah. do a clean boot on this, possibly over the Christmas holidays because it's going to take me some time to rebuild anything. Now, obviously, you could download Windows 10 ISOs, create a bootable USB. Mm -hmm. Make sure you get your keys off of Windows before you do that. Um, by the way, if you've just bought a brand new PC, that is a wonderful time uh, to do a clean install just yes. to wipe out any bloatware and make sure you get to choose exactly what's on your Windows box. Um, one of the easiest ways to do that is Windows 10 uh, refresh 
and reset. You might run into these in one of two ways. For example, if your machine explodes and will not start, <laughs> for example, when I swapped the motherboard, Windows 10 refused to boot, I don't know if we can get that screen over there. Uh, continue is going to give you the endless loop of going back into Windows 10 and not booting. If you go into Troubleshoot, and I, I always call it refresh, but it's actually reset this PC, and it's, it's really, really cool. It allows you to reinstall the operating system over a broken operating system. Um, if you go into inside of your Windows PC while it's running, if you go into, um, you can go into the advanced settings options. You could basically go into uh, settings, update and security, and recovery, and then you get the reset this PC. Um, in theory, you can hold down F8 mm -hmm. while you're booting to get into um, the advanced boot mode. Uh, or, in, for example, on the HP Spectre I have, you have to hold down F11. <laughs> but the idea of, of like the reset or refresh, it keeps your, f your personal settings, you know, you have the option, but your PC settings go to default, it keeps apps from the Windows Store, removes apps you've installed other ways. Let me say that again, it will remove apps you have not installed from the Windows Store. Yeah. Um, but it allowed me to get that <laughs> machine up and running again without doing a full wipe of all of my installed software, just most of it. And in theory, Windows is actually going to give you a list of applications it's removed okay. on the desktop, which is kind of thoughtful. If you go in and you go to like um, remove everything, for example, and to reset this PC, um, it wipes your entire machine, everything, yes. and reinstalls Windows. And actually, you can even go so far as to do a secure wipe. Cool. In fact, once you do something really stupid to my perfectly functioning, um, my person perf perfectly functioning Skylake machine. That was funny. Because <laughs> it should have given me one more window after that. <laughs> so hopefully I pulled that out in time. But it's really cool. Reset is an option for a clean install mm -hmm. that allows you to basically freshen up your PC. The only problem is, is if you have um, software on your machine that comes from the Windows Store, then it won't remove it. So yeah. At that point, it's time to download Windows 10 and make a bootable USB stick. Um, the Windows 10 media creation tool instructions, by the way, are the funniest thing I have ever seen. Download the tool, run the tool, <laughs> which is incredible. And that's it. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, it's simple and easy to do. Uh, we'll talk about like a complete clean wipe another time. But just remember, if you do decide you want to do a clean reinstall of Windows 10, make sure your license is supported. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have your Windows key. Yes. Make sure you have backed up everything off of your machine. I would prefer that you image the entire drive to a disk so you had it in case you decide you've made a horrible mistake and missed something. I just keep all my data on a second hard drive. Yeah. I don't even install it next to my data, my personal files. It's a good plan because then if if it's if something goes horribly wrong, yeah. your data drive should be safe. Mm -hmm. And when I say horribly wrong, I, I don't mean just like the hard drive dying, but if something fire, fire yeah. or infestation or root kits or <laughs> cats, <I> cats. <laughs> cousins operating your machine and installing software they shouldn't have installed. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I happened to a friend of mine. That's a funny. A friend of mine. Friend. Speaking of friends, and root kidding, Darren. That's right, Patrick. We're going to allow your friend to root kit your garage door remote. Actually, we're brute forcing radio frequencies, and it's a lot of fun. It turns out it just takes a while. Tune in, hak5.org.
We're back and it is now time for the rapid fire roundup. And this week, Patrick has three awesome tools that every geek should have in their toolbox. Because we love our toolboxes and we are geeks. By the way, I didn't kill it. Oh, good. <laughs> I was going to say the other thing it's I said before, working. but there's only so many double entendres I can get into. So um, you have an iFixit toolkit. I love iFixit's toolkits. And to Which they aren't a sponsor. Yes, they do sponsor other shows I have worked on or currently work on, but but this is kind of like, it's, you know, it's a giant collection of incredibly useful tools. They've got spudgers, they've got tweezers, um, an I'm electrostatic so discharge cable. <laughs> Every time I need something, I'm like, Patrick, Patrick, do you Yo. have one of those little things that I can use to screw in this yeah. thing? Pentalobe, we need a pentalobe driver. Yeah. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> but this thing's crazy, right? It's 54 bits, 70 tools and all. It's got a really nice tool roll that keeps everything in place. It's obvious if something's missing. It's a great way to get started on repairing tech. Mm -hmm. And consider that an advertisement if you want to, but they ain't paying us. Um, they should. I've <laughs> used it to fix the toilet seat. Oh, yeah. The switches in my truck. I've repaired eyeglasses, iPhones, iPads, Android phones, Nexuses. laptops, desktops, um, yeah. All the things. All the things. <laughs> but a geek's <laughs> toolbox tends to accrete tools over time, mm -hmm. kind of like a reef in a way. It grows It just slowly. keeps on growing. <laughs> you turn around every so often and realize that there's a lot more there. So with that in mind, Patrick's got three tools that you really want to throw in your kit. Seriously, if you build a lot of PCs, get an extra long Phillips screwdriver. You will never curse those stupid half-buried under the edge of the case motherboard <laughs> screws again. It also works for recessed screws and electronics and appliances, dashboards, and if you magnetize it with one of these, um, you know, the blue one, the red one, whatever. So basically, there's inexpensive uh, magnetizing, demagnetizing tools. It'll hold the screws in place on the end of the tip as you reach down or picked up the drop bits from the bottom of the case. So important. If you don't know about tool magnetizers, they're awesome. If you want, if you want things to stick to your screwdrivers, get a magnetizer. They're like five bucks. Do you they, have one of those here? Usually, I'm gonna borrow it. Um, second thing I want to add up, and this is, this is really obvious, but but everybody's toolkit should have a headlamp in it. Um, one of the cheap Energizer ones from the big box store works fine. I have them stashed in my backpack, uh, my toolbox, uh, the big button on the top. Keep going. Come on. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> can you see it? Yes, you can. We've got one of those in like every car we own. They put light where your face points. That sounds really stupid, but I've <laughs> seen so many people trying to hold a flashlight and plug cables into the back of a TV mm -hmm. or the back of their, like I saw somebody literally on a stool in their closet reaching around the, the AVR with an HDMI cable while holding a flashlight, tilting the stool <laughs> chair thing on the two feet Headlamp, get <laughs> one. Awesome. They're so cheap. <laughs> if you want something a little bit nicer than than the stuff they sell in the big box store or the front of the supermarket, uh, I really like Princeton Tech's Bite, um, which is this little critter right here. Uh, it's got four LEDs, and multiple settings. It'll run up to like 146 hours at the lowest settings. Um, don't email me about how awesome your Petzl headlamps are because after the second one just disintegrated. Uh, I just won't buy them anymore. The Princeton techs don't fall apart. Mm. And the horribly cheap Energizer ones can be repaired with duct tape and anger. I might be a bit rough on them now that I think about it. 
what are you doing? It's fun. <laughs> um, forceps are incredibly useful, um, especially uh, locking Kelly forceps, which basically have these crazy teeth at the base of the handle. Um, and you can hold things very firmly with them. Oh. I own like five different pairs of these, straight ones that are like this long, some little ones, some curved ones. Once you have a pair, you will find yourself using them all the time. And then you're gonna get yourself some locking Kelly forceps, some curved <laughs> ones, which are incredibly awesome for dealing with little tiny pieces and wires. Like if you can't get if you can't get the reset switch into the pins on your motherboard, a long pair of forceps will just be an incredible experience. And you have those here too, right? Oh, these I actually stole off of Darren's desk. All oh, of good. my forceps are currently at another location because I left them there in a box at the bottom of my garage. I might be borrowing all of the things. Borrow all the things, which is a great way to save money. He's a couponer, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you guys have a favorite tool that you think everybody should know about for your own geek toolbox, definitely let us know. You can tweet at TechThing, and we will share it with all of the people all out the there people. watching the show. Is this all the people we? All the people. All the people. <laughs> I'm all right saying hi Patrick and Shannon. I wanted to equip my home with smart plugs, light bulbs, and security cams, but the industry for these things has exploded and my head is spinning from all the options. So basically, can you break down what these hubs do, like the Samsung Smart Hub and Wemo, and do I even need them? I would like to be able to control all the products from my phone, tie it in with an if this, then that, and automate as much of it as possible. I know this may be a big question, but thanks, Amal. P.S. This one is coming from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. Oh, cool. Uh, beaches. That's an awesome question. Thank yeah. you. Oh my goodness. So the, the, the TLDR, the Too Long Didn't Read version is Smart Hubs lace all of your, your, your kits together, your stuff. It's the box that talks to lots of things in your house, like thermostats, motorized blinds, smart light bulbs. Oh, yeah. Probably talking refrigerators and washing machines <laughs> that, that it, it sounds ridiculous. All the things. <laughs> well, we're going to CES, you know, in just a few weeks. Flights have been booked, hotel rooms are being settled on. Um, but somebody's going to announce some ridiculous home appliance that'll do some ridiculous thing based on, you know, a Bluetooth, a tag, a... I, I can it program... It always happens. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, you know. Um, there are a lot of companies fighting over this. Apple, Google, Insteon, and about a thousand others. You might need to work backwards. Hmm. Start with a list of the products you want. Mm. Uh, and then figure out what will actually control all of the things you want to work together. Yes. Right? Because there's, the, you know, the, the classic thing is like the, the Harmony remotes and like with the Philips Hue bulb, they put a big Philips Hue bulb logo on there. <laughs> but you would like hit the button, you know, why, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch a Blu-ray. Yeah. And in theory, the projector screen comes down and the projector goes on and the Blu-ray's fired up and the AVR's turned in. And all the work. All in the right order, and then the lamps dim, and you feel so cool. But you're going to be so pissed if you also need like the motorized blinds to go. But you have to write 30 lines of code to make that happen and route it through if then then that. Yep. <laughs> so the other thing is, is you might just want to go with what you know. Shannon's got an Amazon Alexa kind of household over at my place. We kind of do the Harmony Home Hub extender to bring Zigbee and Z-Wave into our existing universal remotes. Yep. And now that I've mentioned the Z words, I'm going to turn it over to the adult, Shannon. <laughs> the adults, please. I'm the one running around with this on my head. Please don't for like make half me adult. <laughs> so it is a big question that you asked them all, but it's a really, really good one. And you do need to understand what 
devices do what before actually diving into them, especially right. if you've never bought one before. So first off, there are the internals of how they're built. There's Wi-Fi and there's Bluetooth and there's Zigbee and Z-Wave like Patrick mentioned. Mm -hmm. So what the heck are all of those things? So first off, you have Wi-Fi. You probably know what that is. Most commonly used platform for right. data heavy connected devices like your phone because it's data intensive, it's about powerful, packets. it's also high bandwidth, it drains battery really fast. That's why you won't find it available in a right. lot of smart home gadgets. Wi-Fi is also really expensive to put into devices on the manufacturing level. So stuff that can have its own power source like the Nest thermostat does have Wi-Fi. Other things that are generally mm -hmm. just connected to a battery probably won't, right. like a Bluetooth speaker, for example or remote. Yeah, so Bluetooth needs close proximity to work, usually within around 33 feet or so before it starts really breaking up and getting super janky. It's really common in things like smart door locks or speakers. So Bluetooth also is quite secure and, well, as much as you can have Bluetooth <laughs> as secure, and has a higher data bandwidth than the next two connection protocols, which be the Z ones. So Bluetooth LE for low energy uses right. much less energy than Wi-Fi, and it's less expensive to implement. So you see that one a lot more often. Yeah, it's pretty much rolled into Bluetooth 4.0. Yeah, yeah, pretty which much. Which is so much better than the Bluetooth of years gone by. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Zigbee and Z-Wave. Right. So those are the low power options for smart things. They can mesh with other Zigbee or Z-Wave products to create a meshed network of products where they basically keep beaming out the same mm -hmm. signal to all the other products in your household so they can all talk to each other and they all work together. So these are things that would work for motion sensors. So Zigbee and Z-Wave are basically invented for an idea like I'm going to have I'm building a new hospital. Yeah. It's going to have 17,000 light fixtures yeah. and it's going to have, you know, 300 temperature sensors and I'm going to have this giant and, and 10,000 other sensors you can't imagine, but the idea that like I want to be able to shut off every light in the hospital at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. But I don't want to spend a lot of power doing it. And I don't want to have to maintain a Wi-Fi network for all those things. So they invented two, basically two, well, there's a shock, two competing technologies. Of course. <laughs> um, but, but basically they were like, yeah, Bluetooth's not low power enough. Yeah. And it, it, won't, it won't create this mesh. It's the, they're really cool technologies, but they're really complicated to get into your home. They are, yeah. yeah. So he, like you said, you're, you'll see it in lots of smart light bulbs. Uh, the problem with these is that they need some sort of hub device to work because Zigbee or Z-Wave right. won't work directly compatible with a computer or a smartphone. <laughs> so you can actually control it. So right. you kind of need some kind of hub. So like think about Philips Hue lighting, for example. Mm -hmm. That comes with a hub. The hub talks to your internet router and then your router talks to your phone where you have an app installed that will let you actually change the colors of your bulbs. Zigbee and Z-Wave, by the way, are incompatible with each other. But you can have a, a hub that has you both could, Zigbee and Z-Wave report. Yeah, yeah, report, you can have both support. hubs or um, both protocols built into one hub. Yeah. Now, since there's not really a good protocol for everything in the world, you need some kind of hub that has all of those built in. So that's a really big thing, too. <laughs> um, PC Magazine has a really great list of the best hubs for 2015. You will find the really pop popular SmartThings hub on here for 99 bucks. I highly recommend you go check out that list and do a lot of your own research as well to figure out what kind of hub would work for you specifically. So keep in mind that. Um, Make sure that whatever hub you get supports the protocols that you need. So make sure that it supports IFTTT and other third-party APIs if you want to use other APIs as well, other than 
IFTTT. Check right. the products that you're interested in for compatibility too. And please, dear Batman, read reviews because if the application sucks for whatever you want to use, you're never going to use it. Like my Wemo application, it sucks. So I don't use it as often I, right. as I probably would because it takes forever to freaking connect on my phone. Yeah, and that's something angry. that changed. Well, it's funny, like I just gave up on GE's quirky lineup because they, yeah. they release these cool devices with incomplete software. And yeah. I was like, this quirky device is going to do all of this cool thermal monitoring and humidity and I couldn't actually do any of it. Or I could watch it in real time on my screen, but I couldn't archive yeah. any so, of it. So, dude, read those consumer reviews because people are really honest. <laughs> they will let you know if something sucks. If you just drop $300 at like the big box store and get home and it doesn't work, yeah. you get pissed. So your second question about do you actually need them? No, you don't. I mean, you don't have to smartify your houses all, at all if you don't want to. Smart stuff is kind of a want. It's not necessarily a need. In fact, many of my InfoSec buddies either don't have a smart home device at all or they're setting up their own DIY setup because of all these different things require some mm -hmm. kind of internet connectivity and we're all a little bit paranoid about having somebody log into our devices and watch what we're doing in our living rooms. So Smart door locks <laughs> scare the snot out of me. Me too. I will not get a smart door lock. Mm -hmm. So if you already have some smart devices in your home, you want to simplify the setup, getting a hub will definitely improve your life mm -hmm. if you get one that's compatible with all your different things. Whew. <laughs> I hope that cleared up the pointers for you. I know there were a lot of them, but I, it's going to be interesting. Make a lot more sense now. <laughs> oh, my God, I hope. But it's like, but there's, that's the problem. Is it, it's, it, is, it is that stage of an emerging technology yeah. where we're in the big mess mode. A couple of years ago, we were in the proprietary mess mode. Yes. Um, now we're now people are more used to making things work with each other. Right. Like Sonos and SmartThings are now supposed to be working with each other. Hmm. There's a press release about that. So hopefully we will see more of that. We'll probably see a lot of it at CES, and as always, we welcome your questions. That's gonna be like my biggest question. Techthing.com. <laughs> ask at techthing.com. Should I go to CES and ask everybody, will your thing work with all my other things? Actually, you should. That would be really <laughs> funny. But it's also, and they probably won't be able to answer it half the time. <gasps> Is that a new Google Chromecast? <laughs> Well, as long as I don't break it. Yeah, I finally got to test my new Chromecast. It basically works exactly the same as the old one, and it's 35 bucks. The only difference is the obvious hardware design. Uh, this one looks kind of funny, and it has a little magnetic thingy for your USB on the back. And it plugs into your TV just like the old one via HDMI with a little micro uh, SD or micro USB power port right here, and then HDMI on the other side. It's exactly the same with this. Ta-da! Is it going to cool any better this way? I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. I will keep it on for like a few days and it's we will find out. <laughs> but uh, the big thing that I noticed okay. about this other than design was speed. So pulling up, I'll, I'll give you some exact examples if you would like. Pulling up YouTube videos on the old one took about 16.6 .6 seconds. This one took about half that time, 8.3 seconds. Pulling up Netflix videos on the old one was like 21 seconds, and this new one's about 19 seconds. Mm -hmm. So only a two-second increase there. Pulling up screencasting on the old one was three and a half seconds, while the new one is 2.7 seconds. So you barely increase the speed by not even a second with this new one for screencasting. So if you are satisfied with your old one, <laughs> my opinion would be there's no really good reason to upgrade. Well, to get it unless in yellow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Unless you can't like necessarily <laughs> fit this behind your behind your TV, because that in this case the dongle, the weird, very weird dongle <laughs> would work out well. If you got to save yourself a few seconds, the new one does seem to work a little bit faster in my testing. So yeah, that's my thirty-second review of the new. It's Chromecast. a Chromecast. It comes in colors. It looks like a lollipop. I feel like my cats might think this is a toy. Your cats think everything is a toy. That's true. That's true. I'm going to put it down before I break it. Good plan. <laughs> if you're a fan of Tech Thing, please make sure you subscribe at techthing.com on iTunes or youtube.com slash techthing. That makes sure you get each and every episode possible. And if you want to take it to the next level, we actually have more for you. Consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing, and you will actually get access to our special patron-only build videos which occasionally involve fire, screaming, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, Arduinos. <laughs> you can donate however much you want per episode on Patreon. Every little bit counts and helps us keeping the show coming to you each and every week. And we hope you're making it bigger and more exciting. And we are actually, are you excited about CES? Yes. <laughs> I love CES. CES <laughs> is like new, the new year doesn't start for me until after the Consumer Electronics Show. Um, Vegas, meh, CES, yeah. Yeah? yeah? You don't like Vegas? Mm. I'm sober and I like Vegas. Mm. I may be broken after like... It's so dry. 4,000... Oh, the dryness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well. We're going to be shooting this year's episode. We're going to do our weekly episode from the CES. Well, somewhere We're going to try. Yeah, on the show floor. And, uh, and who knows what else will happen. If you have ideas for things you want to see, do us a favor, email ask at techthing.com or post at facebook.com slash techthing. And by the way, if you can't donate to patreon.com slash techthing, no worries. Do us a favor. Keep sending us your questions, your tips, and uh, share the show with your friends and family. Give our video the thumbs up on YouTube. Review it on iTunes. Like our Facebook page. It all helps keep the show all growing. All of them! And staying strong. We like the numbers going up because that means there's eyeballs out there that enjoy the show. And we thank you for each and every one of your eyeballs watching the show each and every week. Thank you, eyeballs. Thank you, eyeballs. And thank you so much to all of our <laughs> Patreon donors for supporting the show. You make it possible for us to make it for you. Denise writes in, hi Patrick and Shannon, just upgraded my RAM from four gigabytes to eight gigabytes. I was wondering if I should also use the original two sticks of two gigabytes of RAM and had a total of 12 gigabytes of RAM. They're both G-Skill Rip Jaws, the new ones are Rip Jaws 10 and I have similar timings, 8.8.24. However, the voltage of the RAM is different, 1.5 volt and 1.6 volt. What do you think I should do? Will it even work? If it does work, are there benefits or cons? Thank you, Denise. Yes, thank you so much, Denise. Yeah. Um, so she did link us to the RAM that she purchased. Uh, the, it's two at two gigs, and then the new ones are two at four gigs, so it's eight gigs. But mm -hmm. they do have pretty similar uh, specs as far as these two go. The only difference is the voltage mm -hmm. and the size, obviously. Um, so there are a couple of checks that you should make before you mix RAM. <laughs> what kind of DDR it is, if it's DDR2, DDR3, DDR4, yours match, right. so that's good. Cast latency, timing, speed, and voltage. If all of these things match, then you won't have any problem mixing them, at least you shouldn't. Right. If the speed is faster on one, than the other, then your motherboard will just clock to the lowest speed. Right. Uh, since the voltage is slightly different on your choices, that might give you a little bit of a headache because you'll need to either increase the lower of the two or decrease the higher of them. So. 
to do that, you'll actually need to find that setting in your BIOS. And each BIOS is different, so it kind of depends on what your setup is. We can't is. give you very specific instructions. Specific instructions, yeah. But for size specifically, modern motherboards can generally figure out what you're doing pretty quickly. Now, while that's the general scenario, and you should be able to use them since your motherboard is a dual channel, and it looks like, yeah, you have four slots, so it should be fine. Uh, complications can still appear out of nowhere. And I always get around the RAM problem by just straight up using the same type all across the board. So same size, cast latency, voltage, everything. So I basically just buy a four pack or just a two pack of whatever kind I'm looking for. Yeah, I used to be very big about like, you know, matched pairs and stuff. Yeah. I've also been swapping a lot of memory around lately. I'll, I'll do some ugly memory swaps just to see if I can break anything that way. <laughs> but it's also, well, we used to be like, oh, for best performance, you need two sticks, one in each slot. And a bunch of testing proved that outside of memory benchmarks, yeah. it, it impacts almost nothing in mm -hmm. real world performance. So like the next time I bought it, it was like, oh, instead of two four gigabyte sticks, about one eight gigabyte stick. And yep. then I threw in another eight gigabyte stick. I don't know, memory is, is much more forgiving than you probably think it is, but if your machine suddenly slows down after you put the new memory in, you can take it out. Yes. <laughs> From frustrated with caps, I suspect that is a pseudonym, my family and I keep busting straight through our data cap every month with Comcast. Is there anything we can do to break down, monitor which devices are the biggest culprits? We use iOS and Mac and PC, so we're open to whatever you recommend. Sincerely, frustrated with caps. This is a really timely question. Um, traditionally, Comcast has kind of ignored how much data you consume, at least for the last few years. Yeah. That said, they've begun new data cap trials. <coughs> Pardon me, data usage uh, plans. And I don't know if you, this is from the glorious Xfinity website. You can see a lot of actually magnificently ranting about this. But if you're in uh, Huntsville, Mobile, Tuscaloosa, uh, Tucson, Arizona, Little Rock, Fort Lauderdale, the Keys, Miami, there's a, a long list of cities. Wow. It's really interesting. If you are using more than 300 gigabytes, except for I think one city in Arizona, um, if you're in the trial area, if you go over 300 gigabytes per month, you can now buy blocks of 50 gigabytes for 10 months. They'll let you go over three gigabytes three times. <laughs> then they're going to start charging you, right? Yeah. Uh, and you can buy 50 gigabyte blocks of data for 10 bucks. Or, oh yeah, Comcast, they've been paying attention to the mobile phone company's old way of doing things. You can also choose the unlimited data option for 30 to $35 a month. Comcast doesn't care about the cap. They just want more money. And they're going to get it one way or the yep. other. They're either going to get it very steadily by getting you to pay an extra 30 bucks a month if you're going over 300 gigabytes, or they're going to get it by hammering you with overage charges <laughs> at the end of the month. Well, before we get into a huge rant about that. Um, nope, I'm done. Three, 300 gigs may seem like a lot, but come the next few years, it's not going to be for most people in the world, given that the, the, the usage of video streaming right. and how, how much better the quality has been increasing, it's going to continue that, it's that straightforward It's really line. easy to blow through a gigabyte an hour oh, yeah. for every show Real you're easy. watching. And if you I should look at my data. <laughs> well, you should. And, uh, uh, might be uh, kind of yeah. high. So uh, <laughs> moving on, HowToGeek has a really nice write-up on how to monitor your network's bandwidth. There aren't a lot of multi-platform software programs for tracking specifically, which is really yeah. unfortunate. But you can do this from your router. There's a lot of open source router yeah. firmware that will help you do this. DDWRT is a really great option, and so is OpenWRT. Uh, which are both router firmwares that we let you monitor the bat bandwidth from your router for all the different devices on your network. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're working
working with windows, there's a couple of different options. There's GlassWire, which is found over at glasswire.com, and there's also networks, which I have used frequently for my home uh, network. So I really like networks for Windows devices, and so does Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're on a Mac, you can use something called Bandwidth Plus. So that is found over at iTunes. So you can download that, and that just works right. for Mac machines for all your tracking needs. So hopefully you can find a good answer in that mix. Yeah, you know, this is one of the cases where some of the newer, more sophisticated routers are really amazing because they allow you to track more things yeah. and get more granular on what you do. But generally speaking, if you have children watching lots of video or mom and dad watching lots of video, yeah. that is when you are <laughs> going to find that. Like, video is the place where giant amounts of data it's very true. Uh, get slurped down. And I'll be honest with you, 300 gigabytes? If you have a bunch of people in your family that all have laptops, it's not a lot of data. Yep. Yeah. Lastly, from John Paul, the performance of my Nexus 7 has been horrible for a while now. I've tried removing all but the bare minimum of apps, clearing caches, and other suggestions I've Googled. Just disabling stock Google apps like Currents, Google Books, Chrome, and so on actually do anything? It's a good question, John Paul. Yes, disabling absolutely helps. Yeah. This will free up system resources and give back a little bit of speed to your phone. Disabling basically puts those apps to sleep in a way, and mm -hmm. it takes them out of the system's current usage. Yeah. So they'll still take up room in the drive because you can't actually delete them, but they are no longer taking up RAM, so it will make your phone feel faster. It's always interesting also to figure out what exactly is running in the background on your yeah. phone and then figure out how to kill it with fire mm -hmm. so you can do the things you want to do, like Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said Snapchat. Or Tinder, whatever you kids do these days. I don't Tinder, I'm married. <laughs> by Tinder, I'm going to be beaten to death in a public square by my wife, who was a black belt instructor in karate. <laughs> well, she taught karate. I don't know if she had a black belt. Boy, hey, kick hard. remember guys, once in a while, put down your phone, step away from the screen, close the laptop, and kill something with fire. Just kidding! <laughs> it's football season, so if you like sports ball, go see a forts football game. <laughs> a football, fort ball. A fort ball game? Football game. And basketball, sports ball game. Yeah, I'm going to go play with my kids out in the yard with a football. Or a rugby ball. I'm going to figure out how to throw a football. Don't. It's not how you throw a I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> Shannon has extraordinary skills, but tossing the old pigskin is something she's working on developing a better skill set on. I'll stick with ukulele. I'm Shannon Morse. I'm Patty Norton. We'll see you next week on Tech Things. She rocks the ukulele. this question. Because apparently I'm a fool. I yes. can't toss a football either, by we're, the way. We're building a steam box. I can block really well. Oops. Sorry. If I break things. Um, it's okay. I'll just pretend it wasn't me. <laughs> Classy. I'll say it was Darren. <laughs> it was Darren. You hackers and your gray morals. What is you that? You use bleach. That's the, the night vision preserving. Ooh, that basically like means it. like somebody thought tactical features would be useful. In theory, though, it'll help save your night vision. It's kind of useful if you're running on the deck of the boat or something. That's cool. My friend wrote a book and... You're doing your Cleopatra thing? The magical witch in the book has night vision because she, she learned a spell which gives her night vision. It's really neat. Spelling equals night vision. I'm it's called, it's night called uh, Semester Abroad. It's by Elizabeth Kirk. Look, yeah. now I can bring my Chromecast with me everywhere. Thank you to all our patrons. <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs>
thank you. You make this possible. Oh, did you say you need a Chromecast? Here, let me help you with that. She gives you some sort of Australian hat with the little corks hanging off of it. Hold on! Stuff. Darren's trying to take a picture of me. That's what he should. <laughs> I think it's for his Instagram. Kirby! And the cat came back the very next day. Yeah, I didn't want to pick Kirby up because Kirby doesn't like being picked up. Great. Kirby on the table! Yes. Yeah, oh. I'm okay. You'll snuggle up to my leg when I'm feeding you at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But come afternoon, oh. I'm dead to you. Oh, you 